Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I was recently visiting relatives in America. We were, I was with my kids, and one of those nights we were eating uh, dinner at a family friend, and he started talking about uh, the local Chabad family and what they were up to, what the children were up to, and he was telling us that one of the kids was in South Florida um, starting a business of kosher food, kosher food distribution or kosher catering, something like that. And I said, why is everyone moving to Florida? Why are American Jews investing in communities in America? Why aren't people making Aliyah? And there was just silence. And finally, after an embarrassing pause, you know, um, the host said, well, Natalie, people are comfortable here. They don't want to move. And I didn't say anything. I didn't want to offend him. But I wanted to say, this is not the permanent home of the Jews. This is not the Jewish homeland. The Jewish homeland is Israel. Jews came to America because there was no other place to go. But there is another place to go, people. There has been another place to go for 72 years. It's Israel. And yes, change is hard. And yes, you're comfortable there. But it's not your home. And every home for the Jews outside of Israel ends. And it doesn't end nicely. Okay? It ends with us running, running for fear because we're chased out and we're not wanted. And if, you know, we see that over here, but when you're in it and when you're living in America, every dangerous thing that happens to the Jews, you all just seem to, you know, push it aside and look the other way and say it's never going to happen again. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but for those of you living there who love Israel and come and talk about Aliyah, you know, there's just really no reason to wait. Um, I understand those of you who have never contemplating it, all of a sudden, you know, falling in love with Israel is unlikely to happen. But for all of you who have been raised loving Israel, you know, get up and come. There's just no reason to wait. There's no reason. Stick around. We'll be right back. We have a great show for you. Israel is located in one of those volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sipinski. Joining us today is a new friend I've met. 
And I met this woman through one of the different Aliyah chat groups. Some of you listening may be on those groups. There are people who have questions about Aliyah, have um, and information to offer. And this woman, her name is Riva Schwertzman. I apologize if I'm mangling your last name, Riva. She and I um, met on one of these groups, and she is a great great story. I, I actually called her up and want to know about her she, because she lives in Beitar Elite, which is an area um, just south of Jerusalem. Um, it's a whole city, really, and it doesn't get a lot of mention on the different um, Aliyah groups. Most Anglos today go to one of those five hotspots I mentioned in the past, Ranana, Beit Shemesh, Efrat, Yerushalayim. Um, but, you know, Beitar Elite doesn't, doesn't have a huge, huge modern Anglo Aliyah presence. Now, maybe Riva can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, let me just give a real quick introduction about her. She came here in 1991 as a young mother with her husband and small children. Her husband was just starting out as an anesthesiologist back then. And I think Riva told me she didn't even want to come. Um, but she stayed and she's grown her family. Today she's 61, 62, maybe 63, she told me. She is so active. I mean, every time she speaks with me, she just goes on and on and tells me more and more of life that she's experienced. And I just love listening to her stories because there's so much I can learn and so much all of you can learn. Um, this is a woman who's been here for 20 years. And she's seen the country change. And she came here, like some of us, alone, just with her husband, but no supporting family. And she's made it. And she's made it, and she made it at a time when it wasn't like it is today. There was no Facebook. There was no WhatsApp. There was none of this, you know, holding your hand. So, Kolakavod, Riva, for all you've done. And please, tell us your story and, and take us back to 1991, if you can. Okay, thank you. Um, first of all, at the time there was a Gulf War going on, and everybody thought we were absolutely crazy for coming here. But um, I'm not a total Lubavitcher, but I did believe the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who said it's the safest place to be. So we went mm -hmm. to Crown Heights, and we got $3 for the Rebbe to go on Aliyah. And it was interesting because while we went, my husband went to Shul, and the Rebbe was giving a sicha of the, uh, for Shabbos, so he's okay, slow down. You're, you're, you're speaking a foreign language. Okay, when you say this Rebbe and this $3, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. And I think some of uh, our listeners don't know what you're talking well, about. The so the Rebbe was giving out dollars all the time to people that you would also give in return to Sadaka, a different dollar. Kind of like a good luck dollar. So he would give us uh, uh, good luck. Okay, so he yeah, would give so you a good luck dollar and you're supposed to something, do something with that. Something tangible uh, nice. that you can have. So it's very interesting at the time... That we're Bali Chuva also. And my husband went to show with someone, and the Rebbe began talking in Yiddish about when a Jew goes to Israel, which was a big miracle because we were the only family in the world going to Israel. And at the time, he gave my husband a big uh, lachayim when he went around giving lachayims to everyone. And in that sicha, in that discussion, he answered all the questions that we had on going on Aliyah. So that was the first It just miracle. happened. It, it just like what? Like Bamikre Zikorakaha? Like it just happened well, to be that. Talking about how you should go straight. Uh, there were many other details in the, uh, in the discussion. Nevertheless, okay. it, it was like a sign for us that we should continue and go on Aliyah. And we got blessings from that, from the Rebbe to do it. So we were the only family to come on Aliyah at that time. There was only Russians coming. 
Um, okay, now so, tell us where, where you were. I, I think you're from New York, yeah, right? Yeah, we were in Far Rockaway, and my husband had just finished his residency, and at the time, a, a rabbi of ours said, you can't leave until you pay off your medical school loans. So I believe that Hashem goes with you on Aliyah, especially when you have it in your heart that you truly want to make Aliyah. And my husband was an ardent Zionist at the time. So he also took a job working in the ghettos instead of a better job because he didn't want to violate Shabbos. And I mean, he worked for emergencies, but he didn't want to violate, do abortion work and um, elective surgery. So he took this job in the ghetto, and here we think he's taking a lousy job, but he enters this, kind, this contest for a loan forgive, physician's loan forgiveness award, and suddenly, immediately, he gets a, all his tuition paid right back. So uh-huh. we felt that Hashem was really with us in helping us to leave, to go fast. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I want to just clarify for those of you who maybe didn't, didn't understand. Um, <clears throat> your husband was doing, like... Not volunteer work, but he was working in a very difficult situation, a different, different, difficult, low, what do you call it, low-income um, society, right? When you say the ghetto. It was, you're working in a dangerous area, dangerous okay. type of people, and it, it was a more and so, difficult kind of work. Uh-huh, uh, so you got loan forgiveness. Work, but you, you, applied for a, you applied for that. What? You applied. I mean, he applied for that loan forgiveness. He was yeah, awarded well, it, but he... Was doing we were trying to figure out a way to get the tuition paid off because this is what mm-hmm. we were told we had to do before we left on Aliyah. And we had a big loans to pay. And suddenly, within I get like it. two years, all that money came to us and we paid off the loans. All right. So you believe Hashem had a hand in that? Absolutely. I do. Know, I'm sure he did. It's very hard okay. to get that. So out. I just want all of you listening. Okay, so Reeve, I want you to move on and get, get to the actual, you know, the the moving part and when you came here but let me just tell everyone listening this is true and this is not the first time a visitor on our show has told us this once you make the decision to make Galia and you put things in motion things do work out we have heard this over and over again miracles happen things work yeah. out yeah and and we hear it now we hear it with you you know all of a sudden your medical school loans are, are paid back come on i mean yeah. what other signal do you need yeah, there were so many things. Um, I yeah. opened a sitter at the time that we, we went to Crown Heights for that Shabbos, the same one that the Rebbe gave this whole thing that we felt was in our honor. And, it, and I opened to Lech Lecha, which means, you know, the, the Pasha on going to Israel. So that, too, was a sign, an amazing sign. Just all the, by, by, by accident? Yeah, just um, I just uh-huh. opened it up, and there it was, sitting there. Well, once your, eyes, once your eyes adjust to know and recognize that God, Hashem, is part of our lives, you see these miracles, whereas maybe in the past they were in front of you, but you're, you didn't recognize them. That's really all it is. It's changing your eyes, it's, well, right? It's, it's, that, it's really what uh, it is. Throughout the years being here, that it's just been one miracle after another. It's just been many mm-hmm. open miracles. Um, I can't even tell you enough miracles. I have to write a book. <laughs> okay. Yes, you, you will write a book. So tell us how you ended up in Beitar Elite. Tell us about the town, what it was like back then. I, you told me a great story about how you ended up there. What I know you didn't start there. Tell okay, me how you, well, where you did start. We, and We started out in Harno for a short time, and it was very expensive over there. We couldn't afford it. Um, they didn't have um, good loans available. 
And uh, so we went to, after that, we went to a little yeshuv in Judea. I'm not going to mention the name at the moment. And we stayed there for a few years while my children were young, and I had another child. And then I was not so happy living there. It was very isolated. And we left, and we went to Beitar Elite, which is, at the time it was a yeshuv. It wasn't even a city. It was just first becoming a city. It hadn't reached the right amount of people. Right. Now tell the story when you told me about how you found it or how you found the house, because this is something everyone needs to hear. Oh, okay. So um, because we kind of left our house in Beitari, in uh, the Yeshuv, um, and we had difficulty renting it and selling it, I thought, and we didn't have any money, I thought we'd never be able to, uh, to buy anything again. But then I saw that in Beitar, they were building a whole new section in what they call the B-side of Beitar. And I looked at it with longing. And at the time, my husband wanted to return to the Yeshuv, but I didn't want to return. So we had a little argument on that going. But when they built enough of that side, I put a little random note in, uh, like, Igeret HaKodesh, one of the, you know, holy books, just for a little sign that maybe I could get it. And I did get some kind of positive response from that. So I had a lot of confidence, and I went over with my husband, and I showed him the area, and he said, yeah, we should buy it. And I said, well, that's great. We don't have any money to buy it. How are we going to do it? So um, at that time that we decided to buy it, there came a grant out of nowhere. The grant was you get like $10,000 off if you... Are if you own a house in the Shtachim, if you're renting in the Shtachim in another place, and you're going to buy a house in the Shtachim. Uh, the kind of grant that never happens, you know, and we were the only one who qualified for that. So we did that, and then my um, in-laws gave us a, a few thousand dollars because they wanted to have a place to be while they visited. And so I went to a bank. I went to one bank, and they kind of threw us out. And then I went to another bank because I, I really had the bitachon, that Hashem wants me to do this. It's building a house in Eretz Yisrael. Hashem wants it. It's got to be. Can't say no. So I said to the banker, um, listen, my husband's a doctor. This is a nice cottage, and we'll have a room to make a medical office in the house. So now it's a business and a house. So I want you to give us like a 90% loan, which is really unheard of in Israel. But he said yes. Oh, you did not even tell me that as part of the story. I, I am floored. I, I want everyone to hear what this woman did, what she did. She said, was yeah, she, I believed it you, in my heart so much. That's right. You pushed. And I you pushed it so and, much, right. and it created Shalom Bayat also when I found this place because we finally Amazing. made an agreement. <laughs> well, you, you took a chance and you, and you and actually like, it's like, it's like being in a movie here sometimes. You play a part and see how far you can go. And you did it. You played right. your part and you, and you got it. You don't have to stick to rules. Yeah, no, unheard of here. Uh, we got to take a break. We're we're down to the to the 15 second mark. Stay with us. You'll hear more of Riva's story. That's just the beginning. Uh, when we get back and stick around for more returning home, Riva, don't go anywhere. The Tamar Yona Show. Tamar? She's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. Shalom. I'm Leah Haroni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to news from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Returning Home. We're continuing our talk with Riva Schwartzman from Betar Elite. She was just telling us how she um, found a home in this city when it was just starting out. And um, she added some information that I hadn't known about, which is involving going to the bank and getting a mortgage, which is something some of us have to go through and some of us go through with a lot of fear and, and doubt. Um, Reva walked right in there and and pushed and asked, you know, something for the, for the maximum, and she got it. And that's how sometimes things work in Israel. You know, you sometimes um, have to, you know, disregard the rules and disregard the way you were before and, and try to try something new. Uh, Reva, let's let's continue. Tell us, um, you know, and if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about. Paint a picture for us, I guess, about how you were here by yourself in 1991 as a young mother and your support system, what it was like alone without family, and, and how that's been for you. Uh, at the time, it was difficult because I had difficulty speaking Hebrew, and uh, fortunately, the issue that I lived on was mainly English speakers with me. So that helped me a lot. Um, but I think now, looking back, that people should invest more time in practicing Hebrew, learning uh, words and sentences as much as they can, little by little, and making more of an effort, even though they think that they're not in the mood to really sit down and make a tape recording of words and and phrases to get used to it and speak more. Uh, So I think that was a a hard part for me. And also I realized the kind of place I needed was more of a city, more with more people that I wasn't really suitable for such uh, a small town. And I think people have to think about that when they're coming on Aliyah, what kind of place they want to be. I like a lot of people around me. I like a lot of stores. And uh, Beitar Elite, where I live, which is not far from Efrat, actually, about 12 minutes, um, has a lot of, it has everything, actually. And it has thousands of English speakers here, all of which are what we call Haredi, more orthodox, anything from yeshivist type to Hasidic type. So that is the area that I live. I also wanted to mention that um, two of my sons became architects because you, you can see now that building up the land of Israel is very important to us. And um, they learned how to deal with bureaucracy and all kinds of crazy things that go on and unexpected things that go on. So if anyone needs any help, they can always contact me and I'll ask my sons what I can find out for you. 
Very good. Um, I was going to say, uh, when, when you said you should know what kind of town you like and what kind of neighborhood you like, I, I don't know if that's so relevant today. I mean, people can come today, rent an apartment somewhere, and then get to know the town they're in. I mean, you did that, yeah. you know, and and I did that. And, you know, some people don't really know themselves. Also, a town in Israel isn't the same as maybe a city in America. A city in Israel isn't the same as a city in America or wherever they're coming from. Right. Um, you know, things are different. And, and I don't think it's so important and you can argue with me you know we can argue but i don't think it's so important um when you come here that that's the first thing where am i going to be comfortable you know first get here just I, get I agree. here i think um we were kind of in a rush to buy uh, you, it was very cheap and that is a mistake sometimes you really need to feel out the place and take a few more years than you think yeah and yeah. rent and look around and and, and see what there is, because there are always new things popping up, new opportunities. Yeah, right. So what you just said about your sons being architects is very funny, um, how things are growing and building here. And it's so true. Uh, architecture, engineering, these are fields that are very popular here. There's a lot of work because there are so many building projects. Every place you go, they're building. Every place. Mm -hmm. Cities, Yishuvim, countries, the desert everywhere tourism um business neighborhoods it's it's amazing and it's it's a great great thing to see and um you know you you can always pick up and move somewhere else it's, you know there's just endless endless here it's uh, a bit overwhelming uh, you know it's not like uh where's the jewish neighborhood also that um sometimes people ask an engineer about a house, but they could actually benefit by consulting an architect, because they tell you if it's worth it, if it can, if you can build on it, if it, it, what the potential is of a place, and it's good to know that. See, that's something I learned because it's my sons, Daniel. Wait, wait, an architect will tell you that, but an engineer will not. Um, they might know, but that's not really their focus. Um, they're more into structure, which is very important, of course. Naturally, you want to know. But if you want to know kind of value, I know with my sons, he's concerned about um, what is the potential for making a place really nice? What is it really worth it? They, this is something that they focus on a lot in their business. Okay. All right. Let's get back to you, know, you and your and your. Wait, wait, let's go back to you and your Aliyah because that's why we have you on the air. Um, what? Uh, what? Um, have you been doing? You know, you came here as a doctor's wife. You you said something very funny to me, and you probably remember this because I actually asked you to say it again. Um, you came here as a doctor's wife, and you said you didn't want to be a typical doctor's wife in America. Now, let's move. You know, that's 1991. It's now 20 years later. It's actually 30 um, years later. <laughs> is it 30 it's years later? Is it 30? Younger. You've been here 30 years. Oh, yeah. excuse me. Forgive me. Oh, years. you're right. Okay, you're right. A long time. Yeah, yeah. We're in the um, future now. You're in the future now. And uh, you have made a whole life for yourself. I, I see you wrote with your music and everything. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your own personal development and maybe um, the choices and the opportunities you've had here during your 30 years? Well, I came actually as a trained p 
pianist and composer and songwriter. And I found someone in Badayan, Aviva <gasps> Karpel, who I worked with. We had a duo going, Riva and Aviva, and we went around all over Israel uh, giving programs for women and girls. And we did that for many years, <laughs> and I uh, produced two CDs with her, with songs. So I, I did a lot of that, and I also became uh, an accompanist with the Gush Etzion Raise Your Spirits production, especially with Joseph and Mick for the musical. And I've done other wow. things with other awesome. women all over the country. So wow. that is I also awesome. have a, always had a secret dream of healing. So at one point, I decided to go to school and become a homeopath. And so I, I finished that, too. <laughs> I got that essential uh, certification in that as well. So all Excellent. of that happened in the 30 years. That's great. Now tell me about your family, your children, and your, your grandchildren today. Okay. Um, Baruch Hashem. Um, all my kids live in Israel. I have five children. Um, I have two architects, one engineer, building engineer, mathematician, one, two teachers, two teachers and, you know, like school teachers, and... Um, Almost 17 grandchildren, Kanaihara. Yefe, Yefe Maud. Yeah. Everybody married? Everybody with a family? Successful, thank God. Everyone married and with a family? I'm happy to say. Yeah, yeah. That that's the first thing you should have said. Not not naming them by their profession. Like, what are you doing? No, it's it's beautiful. And when you say 17 grandchildren, I'm sure there are more to go. I mean, I'm sure you're going to get exactly. more because... Yeah. And it's interesting, yeah. you come here and it's like you plant a seed and you come by yourself and it's unbelievable when you when you connect to all these other families, all their, my machatonim and all these other people right. and their right. families and you've become part of a, a big network of people all over the place. And right. my kids marry right. people from different countries, from different parts of the world, so it's even more, right. you know, worldly, this whole thing. Right, and that's the key. That is everything. That is worth the struggle and the loneliness. I believe being a first generation here is a short-term um, hardship because you, like you just said, your fruit blossoms yeah. before your eyes, and you're a 63-year-old grandmother with 17 grandchildren, and you're going to probably get a bunch more. And you're going to be, a, I mean, you're a young grandmother. <laughs> yep, we keep in shape because in Israel yeah. we can take a lot of walks and it's easy to exercise because we have such wonderful weather compared to New York where it gets snowy and cold in the winter. Right, I, right. I love the climate in Israel. It is true. You know, I always kind of forget that. And it's so funny because in, in America, where I'm from, the weather is a topic. It's something you talk about. It's something you plan things around. Rain dates, right? Remember rain dates? Um, right. But here in Israel, no, no. It's, it's, you don't even talk about it because it's, it's, the weather here is great. Yeah, and snow days are a holiday, a real holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's every, every three years. <laughs> right, or you but, can uh, go a lot and take a vacation from it. Right, and everything here is is um, like drivable. You know, you you you're in Miami. Our our Miami's a lot. You know, and for me, it's three hours away driving. You right. can you know from top to the bottom of the country is six hours. You know, you never need to fly to see your relatives. You never need to fly to go on vacation. 
everyone is reachable. Everything is close. It is so worth it just for that, you know. Right. I think yeah. and what I wanted to say, you said in the beginning that it's true that when I first came on Aliyah, I wasn't really so gung-ho on coming. I didn't really have a connection to it because I was coming from a secular place and then I became religious and my family wasn't really so into Israel. But after I came to Israel, I acquired it. I started ah, to really beautiful. It. Stay there. Stay there. We're going to cut you off um, for a quick break. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American time, 7 a.m. Israeli time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're continuing our talk with Riva Scherzman from Betar Elite, who is um, telling us about her whole Aliyah story. Those of you who have been listening, um, pretty pretty ex- exciting to hear um, somebody who's been here for so long, 30 years. And uh, she hasn't discussed like the changes that have happened in Israel, but I can tell you there have been many. Uh, one being technology, and, and I'd like to touch on that, Riva, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, you probably can remember when, uh, you know, people used maps when they drove in the car, and um, there was no phone, you know, people just had the regular phone at the house and in the office. Um, right. You know, things have changed so quickly here, right? I remember when telephone calls to America were Oh, we can't hear you. Try it. Wow, we're losing you. Say it again. I remember when telephone calls to America were very expensive. So we could all... Okay, well, yeah, of course we remember. We all remember that. But but how about how there were, like, the computer age and everything. I mean, getting around here is so different, you know? Yeah, it's quite amazing, the changes that have happened. Um, Even how beautiful Israel's become over the years, over the 30 years, and how built up and modern... In many ways, I think it's surpassed, um, I hate to tell my, some of my friends in America, but I think we have things here that are much nicer at this point. The flooring and the kitchens and everything are marble and granite, and it's very beautiful things, and we certainly have everything we could need, even with uh, with food. I remember that I had wanted tofu, and then they brought tofu. There was always something mm-hmm. that you want, and then they imported it. 
Mm-hmm. Now we have Amazon. Whatever you want, you can shop online and bring it to Israel so you don't have to leave Israel. You can just bring it here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when you mention things like the um, marble and all this stuff with kitchens, all you have to do is go to the airport. Our airport is gorgeous. Um, you go to any other airport in the world, any U.S. city, those doing construction, the ceiling, you see the wires exposed, even in Europe, right. you know, in, in Austria, Germany. Um, they piece the air, you know, there's like scaffolding. The airport here is just beautiful. It is so modern. It is so simple. It's just glass and stone. And this is what's happening in, in Israel. It's becoming very built up, and the standards are improving. My son, yeah. the builder, tells me that the building standards are increasing, and the technology of building is much better than it was. Good. So people can have a very comfortable, beautiful life here. Right. It's very right. It's accessible. There are ways to do things. There are places to go. Right. Even if you have a little money, there are places to go. Right. And also, you don't have to come here and build your own home. There are homes that are built. There are communities yeah. and developments and apartment homes that are being sold. It's not like you have to look on a hill and say, okay, I'll live there. I'll build a house. Right. Some there people like that. You can do that. New things popping up all the time. Yeah. So people have to keep their eyes open and ask questions. And yeah. they'll find it, especially if they yeah. really want something. As I told you, that I really daven for it, and it happened. Yeah. I prayed. Yeah, right. So tell us about um, you had you had you were going to tell me something about something that happened in your family over these thirty years. Uh, difficulty yeah, you had. Um, when my daughter, one of my daughters, was fifteen years old, she was going to high school on a bus, uh, passing, stopping at French Hill at a stoplight, when a terrorist opened fire on the bus, um, <sighs> killing. Um, a couple of people, including her friend that she was in conversation with right next to her. The bullet went right into, unfortunately, her friend's head in the middle of the conversation. Thank God it missed my daughter. But uh, it was a very difficult time for us, and certainly for her Mm -hmm. to get over this. And um, so at the time, my husband, who was very ardent Zionist, who would, like, never leave for anything, asked her, he said, you know, maybe we should go back to America. And she said, no, I'm absolutely not leaving Israel. They are not winning. And Mm. now she's a very successful teacher. She does a lot of things. She's the head of a women's seminary in honor of her friend who passed away, and she has hundreds of women Mm. coming to her dinners that she makes and sets up. So she has really been a hero in this situation. Yeah, and yeah. she's, I think, very inspirational. She tells her story every year at the side of a friend, and she tells us more and more about the miracles that happened to her. One of the things she said was that the paramedics thought that she wasn't alive because she didn't have a heartbeat when she was found on the bus, and um, they, they were sure that she wasn't alive. And she said in that time, it was actually during the, the side of Rabbi Kahana, and she said she saw him come to her, and she saw the Lubavitcher Rebbe come to her, and they were saying, Ana Hashem Hoshiana. They were saying sentences of for life, and mm-hmm. being with her, and davening with her, and then she woke up. Suddenly, miraculously, they were shocked mm-hmm. that she lived through this. So maybe she uh She could have died of fright. She actually has yeah. a shrapnel in herself that's embedded in her mm-hmm. tiny piece that's you know, that bothers mm. her, but it's not in a 
serious area. But she remembers this, and she tells uh-huh. a lot of stories about what happened during that time and how she feels that that she was woken up from death, and she's dreamed of her friend, and a friend has come to her during critical moments of her life. Like there was a, a time when she was pregnant, and she was in the, the 24th week of pregnancy, and, and she started to give birth. And, of course, the baby is, was the doctor said the baby's not viable. But her friend came to her in a dream, this friend who passed away, and said, no, he's going to be just fine. He'll be a sadie. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And, of course, he was born. <laughs> and, he, and somehow she didn't give birth, and she lasted that way, even though she had, like, eight, no amniotic fluid left. She lay there until the beginning of the ninth month, and she had that baby. Mm-hmm. And he's a very smart kid Interesting. Now. Interesting. So I'm telling you the miracles that happened here. And of course, we had half of yeah. Jerusalem praying for her. At the time, it's amazing. Wow. Every, people pitch in. They pray for each other. They help right. each other. They're involved with each other, much more so than other places. Yes. It is a very uh, small community, especially when there's trouble. That's what you do notice here. Um, it's in the culture. It's in the education system. I, I remember going to a Yom um like celebration at the school. And as everyone knows, Yom HaSmaut is the second part of that day. The first part, the first day is Yom HaZikaron. So the whole country is going to the cemetery and in mourning for all the soldiers and, and people that we lost before we declared independence or I mean, like upon that that day, and um, the schools, the children, they act out battles. They act out these very dramatic events that have happened in the history of Israel, mm-hmm. and, um, and and they're sad. You know, they do these these candlelighting ceremonies and just and and learning about people who have died. Um, these these young these are young people. These are you know teenagers or younger. They, they do this their whole life. This is not something they do when they're in their 20s. They do this when they are in school, when they are 9 and 10 years old. And um, it is sad, you know. They're, that's what they're good at here. I, I hate to say it. I didn't want to end this on a bad note, but it, I guess it gives the Jewish people and the, the nation of Israel strength. It makes our children do. more responsible. It gives them okay. a sense of purpose. It connects mm-hmm. them. And it's very, yeah. very important to do that. And... In Israel, this is where it happens. Yeah, responsible and mature. They have a maturity here. Yeah, so you can see what life is all about. Well, thank you, um, Riva. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? Just some words of inspiration that you can tell them? Just to tell you that Hashem always goes with you on Aliyah. When you want to come on Aliyah, you're not alone. And I was never alone, even though I thought, you know, I didn't have anyone with me other than my immediate family. But Hashem is always there. And you feel it. So people should just jump in there and try. Thank you very much. Okay, well, thank you, Riva, and thank you all for listening. Um, If you have any questions for Riva, you can contact me at natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com 
and write in and ask questions and I'll pass them on to her. Uh, she's been here, as we have discussed, 30 years yeah. and we didn't touch upon everything, but I, you know, I know there are others out there who, who have been here a long time and there's so many lessons to learn from these Olim who came here alone and have done things that today are much, much easier. Um, and uh, they learn the culture that way. And there are things that they can teach us that, you know, maybe doesn't seem like relevant today, but I think it really is. Um, Hebrew, Reva just mentioned that quickly. You know, we could do a whole show about the Hebrew. Do people need Hebrew? Is it so important to learn Hebrew? Is that something you should, you know, make or break your decision on whether or not you can learn? I want to jump in with something funny. Um, I wasn't very diligent about practicing Hebrew. But then I found that many of my grandchildren only spoke Hebrew. And if I wanted to talk to them, I had to start learning it. So I have become much better at Hebrew thanks to my grandchildren. And Isn't also that funny? It works. Yeah. books and little books, which I try to read. Right. That's a great way to learn. And that's a yeah. great way to improve your speech. And you said something very smart. You said write down words that you need to say. Write down sentences that you need to say. And, and say them over and over and over and get good at them. Yeah. That's great. That's that's what I used to do, and it works. It works. It's just like learning a script. Right. Well, we are finally out of time. Great show. Thank you for joining us. And all of you listening, have a great week, and we'll meet you next week on Sunday. Bye-bye. Get the inside news on Israel. At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Garris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 